Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 131st edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. We got something to talk about as Carolina misses out on Baylor transfer Matthew Mayer. We'll talk about the impact of that. Where Carolina could next look in the portal to add another player to their roster for the upcoming season. We do have a few closing notes for you guys as well, but we start every edition as we always do with the pod thought of the day. And with the NBA Finals starting later this week, went to a guy who played in his fair share of NBA Finals and the award for the best collegiate uh, point guard is named after him. That, of course, would be Bob Cousy, who played for the Boston Celtics back in the glory era under Red Auerbach. And also Chris Russo's favorite point guard, even though apparently... Played he played plumbers. against plumbers and uh, welders or whatever. I don't even remember what the other person was, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's definitely one of my favorite back and forth that we've had on television here in a, in a while. And Bob said, uh, do your best when no one is looking. If you do that, then you can be successful in anything that you put your mind to. I think that's why the pod has grown the way it has over the last year or so since we joined the Basketball Podcasting Network, since we rebranded as the Four Corners Podcast, is uh, nobody's looking at us. We're just in this... Well, that's no different. No one no one ever really wants to look at us. That's why we have to go to a, uh, we're in a, a non-visual platform. We're in a room beside a bathroom that happens to have microphones. Okay, I don't know which studio you're describing. Are you describing the studio that we're in now, or are you describing the normal studios that we record in when we're on Zoom? Because that's that that studio is also in a in a dark room, and it is also near near the bathroom. I've so, also recorded from my bathroom. It's concerning. Also, what are you doing? There's <laughs> echo. <laughs> So anyway, that's your pod thought of the day. So with that, we'll go ahead and dive right in to the thing I teased at the beginning of the show, which was that Carolina misses out on Matthew Mayer. The Baylor transfer announced late on Friday night. He will be joining Illinois over Carolina and the other schools that he was 
considering. And, uh, you know, for, for, for me, you know, we were actually hanging out together when we saw this news come across our, our Twitter timelines. And this was rather shocking because from the moment he entered the portal, there was mutual interest on his end and on Carolina's end. And when he withdrew from the NBA draft, it was kind of believed that that Carolina was the favorite. But he ultimately ends up, he's going to Illinois. Look, Brad Underwood has built a solid program up mm-hmm. in Champaign. Um, they were a number one seed in the tournament two years ago, but they've had back-to-back second-round exits in the NCAA tournament, so he's trying to tinker with some things to, to get more results in the, in the postseason, and maybe Mayer could be a part of that. But this this was definitely surprising because, um, you know, Carolina is trying to replace the production of Brady Manick with the guy who could kind of replicate what Brady Manick did, which was a stretch four. Mayer definitely fit the mold, and um, for me – I thought I thought the biggest reason why he maybe went to Illinois over Carolina was he did all of his recruiting virtually. He didn't take any official visits. He felt like a guy that had he set foot on campus at Carolina in Chapel Hill and saw the facilities and and, and they, they they did and they did the recruiting spill, he would have left a Tar Heel, but that didn't happen and Carolina misses out on the, the the first marquee transfer they've able to they've been able to actively pursue this offseason. And look, there was legitimate connection between the two sides. I've seen a lot of people that have been critical of people that either, you know, cover the team day to day on, you know, the official front. They they're licensed by sites or anything. And I've seen criticism of people that have written uh, you know, blogs and everything like that. We know you know the 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 people that uh, are you know sort of in the same bracket of the Tar Heel media as us, and somebody came after both of those groups the other day, and look, it, it's it's legitimate. I mean, we went you know we talked a couple weeks ago about how he was following coaches on social media, he was following players on social media, and look, you could say, well, how big of a deal actually is that? He's just following these guys on social media. In the present day, this is typically a legitimate thing. I mean, look, there are some times where guys maybe do it just to get a rise out of out of people, but it's very, very rare. I mean, just look at the NFL this offseason. You had Debo Samuel, who kind of wiped everything clean of his Instagram profile when it came to the 49ers, and people started to wonder, is something going on here? Come to find out, something is going on there. Same thing with Kyler Murray. That was one where people, you know, it, it's kind of been disputed since then, but there was a belief and there were reports after that that there was a legitimate issue between Kyler Murray and the front office. So this is how it works nowadays. You monitor those types of things, and Carolina had some momentum going their way. It felt like he would be the perfect fit for what Carolina kind of needed in that stretch four, but... You know, all the reports seem to say that that wasn't quite what Mayer wanted. Mayer wanted to be, one, a guaranteed starter. I don't think that Carolina was maybe telling him that just yet. I think they were looking at it as a situation where he would come in and probably battle Puff Johnson, um, and, and rightfully so. I think Puff definitely deserved an opportunity with how he played at the end of the year, especially in that national title game and having been in the system for a year, to potentially come out and start. So he looked at it as a situation at Illinois where he is probably going to be able to start. Other reports say that he 
wanted to be in a situation where he could play the three instead of the four. So if all that's true, I think Carolina just, you know, probably didn't have as good of a chance to land him as we probably thought. They were there. Um, He had, you know, probably some good connections with the guys that were currently a part of the roster, but maybe this just wasn't the fit that he was looking for once he went back and actually thought through the decision, and I think that ultimately is what led to him going to Illinois. I think this decision was more predicated on which situation lended best to him translating to the NBA game than winning another national championship, because that that answers Carolina uh, more so than it is Illinois, and um, he's already got the one title with the Bears, but how many guys could say they won a national championship as a and was a, as a part of that rotation, transferred to another school and won another national championship? That list is is very very small if, if there's any names on it. So I, I think from his standpoint, this was a decision about get, wanting to play professionally, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, I guess who have they put? Who who is Brad Underwood? Look, and I love Brad Underwood. I think Brad Underwood's one of the most underrated coaches in the league. But he's put Io Desumu and probably going to be Kofi Coburn in the NBA. Kofi Coburn's a guy that, I mean, is he? he's probably going to be what? Maybe a mid to late round, late second round pick? Probably won't really pan out just because that's, and that's nothing Brad Underwood can do. He's just not a, he is an old school big. So I, I get that, but like what's to me, I mean, is that a spot that's really giving you a better chance to make the NBA than Carolina? No, I don't think so. It's not, but with missing out on Mayer brings up the concern level. And look, for, for Tar Heel fans, and we're talking a large majority of, of Carolina fans, and when the news broke and when we put the article up, you can check that out at HeelToughBlog.com, there was a lot of people who just simply said this isn't a big deal because we've got Puff Johnson and Dontrez Styles. Let me... Carolina has a national championship team today. They've got a team with Puff Johnson in that starting lineup mm-hmm. or Don Tress Styles in that starting lineup that can still compete and win a national championship. But I like those guys coming off the bench a lot more than I like those guys starting and playing 25 to 28 minutes. And here's I, why. Because even for Puff, who's been here two years, mm-hmm. but with injuries – and Dontres, who has been here one year but didn't play a whole lot of minutes, they are still in a in in a, in a lot of different ways freshmen. They now they've played in big moments. Dontres Styles hit a big three against Baylor in the second round of the tournament. There was a stretch in the second half where Puff Johnson against Kansas was your best offensive player, but that was in doses. That was in moments here and there. You run the risk if those guy if one of those two guys have to start for you that they get exposed. And their deficiencies in their game, are they, 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 they come to light, and they hinder you more than they help you. Carolina needs to exhaust every option, every possibility to bring in an experienced player to replace Brady Manick. Well, then you don't think that they're a national championship team. That's just that simple. Yes, like, no, you've got four starters that played in the national title game. You've got a national championship team. But I then like you those. don't need to be that desperate to go get somebody. You you have the scoring out there. I personally don't – I am not concerned with, on the defensive end, what Puff Johnson can bring you. Little bit more with Dontrez Styles, but even still, I I think that end of the floor they're going to bring effort. And for for Puff, 
I, I, there's no question in my mind that he can rebound the ball. He showed that to us last year. I think what you're concerned about is the offensive end of the floor, and I get that. But you also have to take into account that these guys can grow in the offseason. Primarily, a guy like Puff Johnson who has been around for – this will now be going into his third summer with the team. He has a chance to grow. The concern and the reason why maybe I, – I wouldn't say you're exhausting all avenues. Like, here's the thing. There are limitations to, I think, the guys that you can pursue, and we're going to talk about them here in a minute. There are a couple of names that have come up, mainly one that I don't want any, any part of, that people are basically saying – Carolina needs to go get. This is the other thing about this scenario. There are people that are either saying, look, we don't need anybody. Let's not worry about it. We didn't need him to begin with, which is my issue with those people is, so you're telling me that if he had come to Carolina, you wouldn't have wanted him. You would have said, we don't want that guy. Send him back. Come on. like That that, that was a guy with the experience that he has, being a part of a national title team, what he brought defensively, the fact that he could shoot the ball from the outside, it it made sense why Carolina would want him. And if he would have been interested, you should have been all in on wanting him to be a part of this team. But at the same time, I, I mean, I, I'm not one of those people that's panicking and saying, well, we, we just we have to take somebody, anybody that can help us out here. Because I do think you have to at least give these guys the chance to prove that they grew if you don't find a guy in the portal. Look, if there is a guy that you really like and you think fits, then yeah, by all all stretch, you know, all by all beings bring him in. But if you don't get that guy, I'm not the guy that's panicked about having to start one of those two guys because this is just natural. This is college sports. Like you lose a guy, Typically, you used to just fill it with a guy that's on your roster. With the transfer portal, that allows you the option to bring a guy into the system. But at the same time, you don't want to force the issue because if you force the issue, you can get stuck with a guy that doesn't quite fit, which Carolina saw a few years ago with a couple of guys that came in and just didn't really fit the system right. Yeah, but I don't think they're in that same situation. They had to take Pierce and Keeling to theoretically put a competitive team on the court. They don't have to do that right now. But if you're starting Styles or Puff, guys that I do think will be starters at some point in their Carolina careers, guess what's happening? That bench is already getting shorter already. Because, you look, you're bringing in four freshmen, but if we're being honest, how much are those freshmen going to play? If you, ha- if you, had, to, if you had to bet... Shaver would probably play the most early because he was in the system after January because he enrolled early. He's still extremely raw. Tremble and and Nickel can offensively maybe able to give you a something. Well, I saw. Let's let's slash this notion right here. The people that think that Tyler Nickel is going to play a major role for this team right out of the gate, I don't. I don't know if that's what you. What he you could want. if you don't find a transfer because he may enter this roster, the best pure shooter on the team. I mean, that's fine, but you don't want to put him in heavy minutes because if you do, it could be another Kerwin situation. Kerwin was forced into action early, got off to a great start, but sometimes I, I think if you if you force some of these guys that aren't expecting to be in big roles 
into bigger roles out of the gate. Sometimes you have to. It can sort of it, it sort of stunts their growth. I think you saw that with Kerwin Walton. Yeah, but with Nick, it would be more of him earning it, whereas Carolina had to turn to Kerwin Walton because they needed someone that could shoot the three ball, and he just took enough of them and made enough of them to where you just said, well, we're going to play you 28 to 30 minutes, and you're not going to play any defense, and we can't complain. Well, I mean, in that case, if, if that's the case, then you've got four guys that can contribute because I think that – I mean, I, I don't think – I don't think you're going to see any of those guys not play if they they have the opportunity. Like I think all I think all of those guys are talented enough to contribute to you off in, the bench in November, December, and maybe early January. But I, I'm I mean, but by that point, do you not think that Puff Johnson and Dontre Styles will have grown, especially if they're having to play those types of minutes? I mean, yes. I mean, naturally they're going to grow. Look, there's a guy that I that we're going to talk about that I want, but my thing is is I I am not somebody that is panicked by the fact that Mayer is not coming. It's not. I, it's I not still panic, think, but there are still holes that there's still flaws in the roster if you. Don't bring so then, in that's transfer. national. That's not a national title team. No, you're returning four stars from a team that was three three minutes away from a national championship. Yes, no. The ex the expectation wasn't hindering on if you brought in a transfer or not. Oh, that's not what I mean. So you think the expectation is a national title team, but you think right now this is not a national title good enough team? No. So you're not you're not listening. They're still. If I had if I had a vote, I would vote them the number one team in the country. You're returning for so they, they, I'm telling you, they don't it's not a dire the not way saying, you made it sound. I'm not saying it's a dire need. I, I said if they if they brought him in, if it did anything, it would only add to the pressure of having of needing to win a national championship to validate next season. I'm trying to protect the guys on the roster from being put in a position that they may not be ready to play they're ready to play eight to twelve minutes. Are they ready to play twenty five to twenty eight minutes? I don't think so. Trying to avoid putting those guys in a situation like Kerwin Walton, who get overexposed, and then something happens where they lose their confidence, this, that, or the other, and then all of a sudden they're the shell of themselves as a player because they're going to need Puff Johnson and Dontre Styles to win a national championship. I want their coming off the bench and leading Carolina and helping Carolina cut down the they, nets. They could also look to transfer them. As, they as, might not like those roles. As, so. as opposed to being starters. So that, that's all. that's all I'm getting at. I don't think they need Mayer. They needed Brady Manick last year to do what they did. But they they don't need Mayer. They didn't need Terrence Shannon. They didn't need whoever else they you know that they contacted early on in the in the transfer portal season. I'm just saying from a roster standpoint, if you don't add one, you could already kind of see just a a little bit of resemblance to this year to where you're maybe playing six, seven guys, heavy minutes in March. And it can get you to a national championship, but can it win you a national championship? I would go, if, if I had to bet on that, I would bet no because we just saw it not win a national championship. Well, so. you got to hope that one of these other guys steps up. You got to hope that one of these freshmen step up. I mean, it's it's just that simple. It hurts that you lost you know, a guy like Anthony Harris that you thought was going to be a part of this roster or Dawson Garcia, but you just have to trust that that's something that the staff knows that they need more help with 
and that this group of freshmen that are coming in this year will be able to contribute a little bit more than the group that was there last year. Um, I mean, DeMarco Dunn's also going to be on the roster as well. He was a guy that was a part of the group a year ago. He brings you some backcourt flexibility, so you're hoping he possibly took another step forward. And just look at the overall talent of this recruiting class as opposed to the last recruiting class. Most people forget that before the injury that he had, Jalen Washington was one of the highest-rated prospects in this class. He was a five-star. He was inside of the top ten at one point. So the talent is there for him. The worry about him is just how healthy is he. Uh, and then with Trimble, he's a guy that's trending in the right direction. He's higher-rated than either one of the guards that you brought in last year. So you're just hoping that those guys can make major contributions to you off the bench. It's really just about trusting Huber Davis. I think that's what you've got to do is you have to trust the coaching staff this offseason to be able to bring these guys along and help them make the strides that they are needing to make because, you know, unfortunately, and we're going to talk about these guys coming up, a lot of the guys that Carolina is looking at in the transfer portal or that we are at least looking at from a Carolina perspective that fit that stretch four spot are guys that are in the draft and they're still waiting. We're waiting to see what happens. They literally have until it's either, is it later tonight or is it tomorrow at... I believe it's midnight tonight, June 1st at midnight. Or it's 12 p.m. tomorrow. Or 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 um, 11.59 p.m. tomorrow. Kind of exactly like the, um, the transfer deadline. So I think, I mean, this is the spot where they got to make those decisions. If those guys don't end up coming back... I mean, Carolina may literally be left with no options of, of who to pursue, and they may just have to live with the guys that they have. Well, the good news is is that Carolina still has a scholarship available, and they still have guys that they can still pursue. When we come back, we're going to dive into the two names that I've picked out that, that right now make the most sense for Carolina to be uh, to, to, to be interested in, in having transfer into their program. We'll dive into that next after this message from DraftKings on the Four Corners podcast. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 dollars in free bets if they do looking to turn a small bet into a big day a big payday during the nba playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays you can do just that create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win total threes made total rebounds and more and boom you have a shot at an even bigger payout right now all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet Back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPNXX. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of the great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners side of things. 
Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast as the NBA Finals do tip off later this week between the Warriors and the Celtics. So as I mentioned, Carolina does still have one scholarship available for right now. That could turn into two depending on what the NCAA decides to do with COVID COVID, uh, uh, roster players. That means Leaky Black could not count as a scholarship, but that could free up another scholarship for Carolina. So... You know, where where does Carolina look to next? And um, I, I went through the portal the other day, and I stayed in the front court because I think as of right now, Carolina is looking to replace Brady Manic with a Brady Manic-esque type of player, that being, uh, a, you know, a guy that could play on the post but could stretch out onto the wing as opposed to bringing in another guard and playing a small ball lineup. And the, the first name was a pretty obvious thing that we come to, and that's Pete Nance, the forward from Northwestern, who averaged 14.6 points per game. He shot 50 percent from the field this year, and he did. Sh- and he did shoot 45 percent from behind the three-point line. Um, and for his career, he averaged 9.6 points, 5.4 rebounds. Did shoot 46 percent from the field, but his career three-point shooting dips all the way down to 35 percent. So over the trajectory of his career, was not a very good three-point shooter, Um, and his name, as of recording, still is in the NBA draft, and he has until that deadline to withdraw from the draft, or if not, his name goes off the board. I know this is a guy that you're very high on, and if you look at his numbers from this past season, they're really, really good. Almost 15 points per game, 50% from the field, and and well over 40% behind the three-point line on a Northwestern team that, well, was a, was not very good as they as they typically are. So he was the best player on a bad team, but was still able to produce. But I'm not so sure if he's if if he's the best right now. He's the best option for Carolina to go get if they're wanting to replace Brady Manick with a front court player. But I do think with that, I'm not saying it's going to be exactly like Roy Williams, where you're having two two guys on the block and you're playing three around two. But I don't think you're playing as much four around one as you were with Manic because his career three point shooting isn't as attractive as Manic's, um, and his rebounding numbers lower than Manic's. So in a lot of ways, you're not you're, you're not even getting back to even with Nance. You're 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 getting back to below what you had in Brady Manic last season. I, I mean, it's I, he just he was with the team that frankly was terrible. Um, And Northwestern still put up really, really good numbers. He can score the ball. Um, And that's pretty much what you'd be bringing him in to do is score the ball. He shot 45% from deep last year and shot at a pretty solid amount, especially for a guy uh, that that plays the position that he does. So I think he's he's worth the risk here to bring him in because he could be a guy that, look, if if, if you like what he's bringing to the table, but you get to a point where you say, look, we feel like Puff, kind of fits what we want to do a little bit better, that's a guy that could come off the bench for you and still be pretty valuable. There's a reason why he is pursuing an NBA career. And look, he's a guy that right now, as you said, he hasn't pulled his name out yet. And it's it feels like if he was going to pull his name out, he might have been one of the guys that would have already been out. We'll see. There's still a little bit of time, but... I, I think that this one is a no-brainer just because of the scoring touch that he brings. And Carolina, if, if if you can get a guy like that, 
a guy that, again, he's not going to be an exact clone of Brady Manick. First of all, it's going to be extremely tough to find that type of guy because Matthew Mayer wasn't even necessarily what Brady Manick was. Didn't score as many, you know, score at the level that he did. Wasn't as good of a three-point shooter as Brady Manick was either, but I feel like this is one of those guys that if he's there, he is worth taking the risk on. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's definitely not the ideal fit for Carolina. It, the problem is I don't know if that guy was actually out there in this, in this transfer portal. I think the thing that Nance could bring more than anything, um, I mean, outside of the scoring and the ability to do it efficiently from inside the three-point line at times, is the fact that with his size at 6'10", you could play him alongside Baycott, but let's say Shaver and Washington aren't guys ready to come off the bench and play you big minutes, well, then you could still move him down to the five. And I, and I, I do think Carolina is going to play smaller at times this year where you're going to see a lineup of Love, Davis, Black, Styles, Love, Davis, Black, Puff, whatever it's going to be, and then your big man, mm-hmm. he allows you to do that. Whereas last year, the last six weeks of the season, because you were playing six dudes and Dawson Garcia wasn't one of those guys, you couldn't do that because you had to have Manic and Baycott on the court as much as possible, which is which was, which would still be a big help for for this team because – it would allow you to theoretically rest Baycott more often because in an ideal world, he's not playing 38 minutes a night and his body isn't going through the wear and the tear that, that it's it had to the last six weeks of this past season. But, um, you know, the, the, there there's a lot of upside to him, but he does have limitations if Hubert Davis is hell-bent on playing that four around one. But I, I think Hubert Davis did prove to us during that match, during, during the run to the to the national title game, he may be stubborn for a little bit because he wants to do what he wants to do, and he was very stubborn his first three months as a head coach, and that's why he got yelled at a lot by me on this podcast. But he also proved that willingness and that desire to do what was best for the team and when that happened, well, we saw what happened. And this team came very close to winning a national championship. So and and you mentioned Dawson Garcia. Would this not kind of be his replacement, if not a guy that shoots the ball a little bit better from the outside? He does a lot of similar things to Garcia. Maybe not the the rebounder that Garcia was, but he feels like that type of guy that can give you, you can play four to the five. And my point is, look, Dawson Garcia was on the roster for a reason. There was a reason why Dawson Garcia was starting games for Carolina down there uh, at points early on last season. Now, there is an argument to be made that maybe that's not the most efficient offense for Carolina, but it's clear that, yes, Hubert Davis is willing to sort of switch some things up. And I feel like he could bring you some some similar attributes to what Dawson Garcia you thought was going to be able to bring you before, of course, he ended up having to take that leave of absence. The other guy that, that, I, that I've, I looked into from the front court that I, I think right now is going to be an option for Carolina is Keon Brooks. From Kentucky, he averaged 10.8 points per game, shot 49% from the field, but just 23% from behind the three-point line. For his career with the Wildcats, he averaged 8.3 points per game, 47% from inside, or 47% from the field, but just a career, once again, 23% shooter 
from behind the arc. The, the thing with him, though, as opposed to Pete Nance from Northwestern, he has already withdrawn his name from the NBA draft. My biggest, my first reservation about bringing in Brooks isn't the fact that he's a god-awful three-point shooter. It's the fact he plays at Kentucky. And they're a rival, and we hate them, and they hate us, and God knows I hate John Calipari. So, but in this era of the transfer portal, where you're seeing you're seeing this happen with you know it, with it inter interconference transfers and stuff like that, you do see players go from one rival school to another, and and this could be the first time it happens for Carolina if they bring Keon Brooks in. He's definitely not the better option as opposed to between him and Nance, but. He's a guy that, first off, played at a big-time program at being Kentucky. The SEC was as deep a conference there was in college basketball last season, especially at the top. So even though Nance is playing in a Power 5 conference, he's used to getting his butt beat as opposed to winning those types of games. And he, he's an athlete, and he's got a body and a frame that you would imagine that Hubert Davis could could find a way to to get some more out of him, whether it's you know on the defensive end of the court, or if they could you could make him become an average three point shooter, get to 37 percent. But um, with with Brooks, there's definitely the biggest reason why you're interested in him right now is that because he's already without he's already withdrawn from the NBA draft. You're not waiting on an answer or anything like that, but. Clearly, the lesser of the two options right now for the Tar Heels, if they're going to replace Manic with another front court player, I, I don't even think it's worth the risk. To be honest with you, I, I I get that he was a starter last year, but I mean, this guy, like, what is he really bringing to you? Is the question because he shoots by by far fewer three pointers than. Pete Nance does. He averages less than one per game in his career. So he's not really going to stretch the floor for you. His defensive rating is worse than any of Nance's years. So he's not really a great defensive player either. I just think that in that case, if you're bringing him in, are you really sure that that guy's even going to start over Puff Johnson? Because I don't know about that. I think Puff probably fits a little more of what you want to do, and he probably shoots the ball a little bit better than Brooks does. Um, the the concern for me with him about the three point shooting is that it is later on in his career. This is a trend. You, like with with Nance, he got off to a bit of a slow start from beyond the arc. Same thing with Mayer when we were looking at him. That was a guy that started off shooting the three at a slower rate, and eventually worked his way up to being a solid, uh, and, and in Nance's case, a pretty exemplary three-point shooter last year. This is a guy that struggled. He's been around that same mark throughout his entire career, around that 23% mark his entire career. So is he really going to get that much better coming to Carolina? I just don't know. That's why, to me, I mean, maybe in that case, maybe you're looking elsewhere to see if there's anybody else in any other positions that just has more talent and can help you out. I don't know if that is really worth the risk just because I don't you, – you talked about how Nance didn't really fit what Carolina was looking for. I think Brooks probably fits what Carolina's looking for even less than – than in Nance's case. Well, he's a guy that's played at a blue blood program. He's 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 got that pedigree, um, and and if 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 you're going with Brooks at that point, that probably means either Nance either went pro or you didn't get Nance, and you're just looking for a body. And then if you don't if you don't go that route, 
then I feel like we have to then switch our switch gears and you have to go look to adding another backcourt or a quote-unquote wing player, and then you're playing super-duper small next year anyway, and Puff Johnson and Dontress Styles are still coming off the bench, and you're kind of where you are right now where – you, 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 maybe you add another guy, or you know, you, you, you're able to add a guy to the roster, but you're still going to have limited front court depth, and you're still going to have uh, overall a limited bench. But I mean, right now, those those are Carolina's two best options from the front court. I, I mean, look, I don't want any any part of this guy at all. Even if he comes out, I think he's still in there. I think he's a better option than Brooks, though. I think Pat Baldwin Jr. is a better option than him. At that point, if you bring him in, you're playing two bigs. It's just that simple. I mean, look, he he did shoot the ball from the outside. He did try to stretch the floor at Milwaukee, but the I mean, he was a 26% three-point shooter. The thing that you're banking on if you bring him in, upside. He's a former five-star player. The only reason he went to Milwaukee is because his dad coached there. He probably would have gone either to the G League or to a bigger college if he doesn't go there. I would probably take my bets on him if he was to pull out as opposed to Brooks, but I, I don't I'm gonna be he honest. Fit. I think it's Nance or it's nobody. I, I really do. I think that's that's the direction that you're going in, and you're maybe you don't have as much depth as we thought you would if you got Mayor or if you were to, are able to get Nance. But I think you might just have to live with it at this point because I just don't think either one of those guys really fit what Carolina's looking for. The good news is is that Carolina will have questions or answers to these questions in a very timely manner with the NBA draft deadline tomorrow, that being June 1st. And you would imagine whether, uh, well, with Nance, if, if Nance doesn't go pro, he will find a, you know, a, a, a new home shortly because, believe it or not, Summer workouts and stuff like that, they're starting to get underway in a, in a small fashion right now, but you know, they would transfer in for summer school or, or whatever. That stuff starts up very, very quickly. So one way or another, Carolina will have answers to these questions in a very timely manner. I'm By the way, really quick, the deadline is when is tomorrow night. As of recording here on Tuesday, it is tomorrow night at 11.59. So they do have, we, we, you still have tomorrow. It is not tonight. So there could be some decisions coming down tomorrow on a lot of these guys. That'll be worth monitoring for sure. We'll move on to the closing notes. Jawad Williams announced his retirement from playing professional basketball overseas. Some accolades for the 2005 national champion. He was a 2001 McDonald's All-American of course, won a national title with Carolina in 2005, was a 2007 JBL All-Star, was a 2012-13 French League All-Star, won the 2013 French Super Cup, won the 2014 Turkish Cup, was a 2015 Turkish League All-Star, and was a 2018-19 Japan B League champion. So, um, he made a lot of he, – he was able to make a career of playing professional basketballs across the pond, and that has officially come to an end as of today. And then lastly, just want to give a shout-out to all the other teams um, from Carolina's athletic department that had a great weekend. The women's lacrosse team, they completed a perfect season national championship, which was all started by a frantic comeback in the Final Four game against, I believe it was Boston College that came back to beat um, before winning the championship over the weekend. And then Carolina baseball, 
They won the ACC tournament right here in Charlotte over NC State on Sunday. They end up as the number 10 national seed. They host a regional in Chapel Hill starting this starting this Friday. So Scott Forbes' team, kind of a lot like Hubert Davis's mm-hmm. team on the basketball court where a few weeks ago – they were going to make the postseason tournament. They now enter the college baseball tournament, which is probably right there behind the NCAA tournament in terms of how tough it is to, to, to win a college World Series. They enter that event, if not the hottest, one of the hottest teams in all of college baseball. So with that, we are going to wrap up this edition of the show. We do encourage you guys to go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for the latest on both Carolina football and basketball Whether it's it's recruiting or just general news, we'll have you covered as both programs are well into the offseason. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast where you can uh, rate and review right there. But most importantly, we do encourage you guys, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the offseason. Well, going to wrap up this edition of the pod. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, to find the best basketball podcast.